Amen, amen. We are getting ready to baptize Miss Sandy Williams. She came up to the altar not too long ago, and she said, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. And praise God for that. We're so excited for her this morning. And she had given her life to the Lord as a young girl. She remembers that. But she said, I want to just surrender my life to him. And I want to, to rededicate to him and make him Lord of my life. And I'm so proud of you for that and excited for you. So we, because of your confession in Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. Let's continue celebrating the Lord and His goodness.
This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. This is straight from the Bible. This is so awesome. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments. Praise Him with flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Yes, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have breath. I have breath. I have praise. The Lord has done a work in my life, and I will praise Him. I will praise Him. I will praise Him.
down every wall We'll watch the giants fall Who fear cannot survive when we praise you The God of breakthroughs on our side Forever lift him high With all creation cry God we praise you We praise you Lord Cause it's your breath
your breath and I'll give it back to you, Lord, in praise. It's your breath. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. It's your breath. In our lungs, we pour out our prayer. It's your breath. In our lungs, we pour out our prayer to you, Lord. stay right here for one moment and continue to just lift our hands and let the Lord know how great he is if you will look back on your life if you will think about things you know that God has always been faithful that God has always been great that God has always worked things out for your good in your life and God we praise you right now we praise you right now for you are great and greatly to be praised father we pray we just worship you we lift up the name of Jesus The name that changes things. The name that every knee is going to bow down to. Father, we thank you and we praise you in this place. We praise you in this place. Without any music, can we sing that Great Are You Lord chorus one more time? Just sing it out together. It's your breath. It's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your bread. Sing it out. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. You are just our voices. It's your bread. Just our voices. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your bread. Thank you, and we praise you. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for all that you do for us, God. We're thankful for the good times. We're thankful for the rough times. God, we're thankful because through all of it, you're growing us to be more like your son. And we thank you for that right now, God. We praise you. Father, let hearts be open to the word that's about to be spoken. Let us hear from the Holy Spirit, God, about what you'd have us to do and where you'd have us to go. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Turn around and say hi to three people. Amen, amen. So proud and excited for Miss Sandy Williams and the baptism today. I'm also going to take a quick 20 seconds. Hunter, come here. Hunter Frymeyer, Orchardville Church. This is his first 
official day as youth pastor and media guy for Orchardville Church. So we are excited about having him with us. And let me see. I don't have a baton. Let me, let me tell you why I'm going to pass this to you. Uh, I'm going to pass this to him as like the passing over the youth group to Hunter. Because there will be many times that the teens will make choices that will upset you. And it will make you cry. It's part of it. Uh, right, teens? Right? Uh, some people may leave. And that hurts. You're going to need these. But there's also a lot of fantastic, powerful, wonderful times where you're going to need these also because it blesses your heart to see them serving the Lord. So, Hunter, here you go. Excited to have you. If you need those later on the altar, just get them from Hunter. Well, we're happy to have him with us and excited for him to get started this week. It's what a great week to have him because we start decorating for Christmas tomorrow. So... You'll find out real quick what the word teamwork means. <laughs> All right. At this time, I want to introduce our guest speaker this morning, Mr. Daniel Nally. Come on up, Daniel. Make him feel welcome. Love and appreciate him, so give him your attention this morning. I want to kind of tell his story because I'm sure he's going to share a little bit about that. Well, Orchardville, it is, an, it is, am I on? There we go. It is an absolute honor to be here. I don't want to take a lot of time for introductions, but my name is Daniel Nally, and uh, how we did our crusades all summer, um, I would say my name is, and every, every time I would go to introduce myself, and I would look out and see the lost sitting there, I, I, I truly just couldn't even get it out to waste time to tell people who I am or to give them my credentials or to try to, to waste time talking about myself. And, and literally, so the very first crusade we got to in Cairo, Illinois, I said, I said, good evening. I said, my name is, and I paused and I took a gulp, and I said, never mind. Never mind that because there's only one name that you need to remember when you leave here today, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen. But I want to become friends with you. I want you to know who I am. I want to know who you are. And so um, my name is Daniel Nally, and I uh, had the opportunity to serve at Family Life Church in Mount Vernon where we ran the homeless shelter. A lot of people um, have heard about uh, our, our crazy wild adventures with uh, running the homeless shelter here in Southern Illinois. Um, two years ago, I resigned from pastoral ministry there at Family Life and I, I and my wife and my little girl Sonny and my little boy Brant, they uh, took this wild adventure with me to become U.S. missionaries, missionaries right here in the United States of America. And um, it has been a wild, wild, fun, just amazing journey. It's been faith stretching. It's been time of vulnerability, but a time of seeing God move in a great and powerful way. And so um, I'm going to just give you a quick, a quick, um, just quick introduction of who I am. Let's go to the next slide here. This here is where I moved. I moved to this place. I grew up as an atheist. I grew up with my family in addiction of all types of drugs, of alcohol, of brokenness, of violence, and just um, to just long story short, just a broken 
home, a broken family. And I, I got saved after being an atheist, after, after not looking for God and not believing in God. And actually, honestly, when I thought that there might be a God, I was very angry at him. I thought he was, I thought he was a jerk. I thought he was the reason why my, my father had been so cruel to my mother. He was the reason why my, my brother was in prison. I thought he was the reason why all of the abuse that happened, I thought he allowed this to happen. And so when, when I would entertain the thoughts as a child that there was a God, I was very mad at him. I was very angry at him if he existed. But I just want to tell you, I want to say this, that in my anger, toward the possibility of there being a God. In my, my yelling at him, in my, in my cussing at his name, he looked down from heaven and he said, I want that man. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ loved us. He gave himself for us. He died on the cross for us. And so... Uh, at, at 15 years old, um, I, I got saved. My, I, I came to Jesus, and I really, he came to me, and he transformed my life. And I, I decided I'm not going to stay here in all of the mess. I'm not going to stay here in all of the brokenness. And I won't go into the details of that. But I, at the end of my sophomore year of high school, I got into a vehicle with a friend uh, who was only 17. We drove to Mount Vernon, and we ended up there in Mount Vernon on the streets where where Jesus literally just became our all in all. We depended on him for everything. He completely and utterly transformed my life. This building behind me, that's the building where I first moved. That was my very first own place at, at, at 15 years old. I lived in there in the back of that old abandoned storefront. I lived in the back of that for two years. And over in the, and does anyone know where that's at in Mount Vernon? Can, yeah, okay, okay, I see that hand. That's on the corner of 4th and Casey. And over there from 15 to 17 years old, I seen prostitutes come to Jesus and I seen drug dealers and addicts. And this was before I went to Bible college. This was before I had been in any type of professional ministry or new hermeneutics or knew how to start with icebreakers or, or any, anything that we think uh, uh, we need or that we need to glean or to learn. This was just me and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit redeeming me and me wanting to see the world around me redeemed. Okay. And so that's all I'll say about that. Uh, next, I want to I show you just uh, what we did this summer. So when I resigned from pastoral ministry, we went, and, and everyone thought we would go and pastor a, another church. They thought we're going to go to somewhere maybe bigger, maybe a bigger town, maybe a bigger church, or maybe, you know, the world kind of has their ideas of what, of what a transition or promotion, right, looks like until um, it's different, until it's not what they think. And so God put this burning desire inside of me and my wife to take the gospel outside the four walls of the church and to take the gospel message to the streets, to go to college campuses, to go to, the, to literally the streets, the back alleys, the highways, the byways, parks, um, fairs, anywhere, high schools, anywhere we could go to where broken people were. We could rub shoulders with them. We could love on them. We could engage them with the gospel. That's where we wanted to be. We wanted to be the church mobilized on mission. So if you, if you see this behind me, we went, started in, in, in Cairo, Illinois. It took 100% of every single thing that I had to be able to do this. And, and when we started, I did not know how we would continue. But friends, how many of you know, this gets quoted all the time, God works out everything for the good of them, those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. I like to take that word purpose and just say his mission. 
who are called according to his mission. If it's his mission that you're on, then he has the provision for it. But if it's your dream, if it's your aspiration, if it's your mission, and you're asking God to come bless what you want to do. Friends, your mission means it's your provision. You have to be the one responsible for taking care of it, making sure everything aligns. But when you're on his mission, when you love him and you're called according to his purpose for your life, he works out everything for the good and he causes things that seem like they're so far and fragmented, he causes them to become aligned for your good in his mission. So we went through, we've seen thousands of lives changed and touched. We worked with over 102 churches from every type of denomination and all from Cairo, Illinois, all the way north to, to Jasper County, to Clay County and Richland County. And we've, we've seen God just pour out and do amazing things. And I wish I had more time to share with you about just some amazing testimonies from that. And I would love to, to maybe uh, go out to dinner with some of you or talk to some of you or get to know some of you. I live here in Mount Vernon, Illinois. I would love to share just what God is doing further through Gospel Encounter and through what he's called us to do. Uh, next, I want to just uh, invite you real quick. Uh, Sean and I, with Gospel Encounter, we are taking... Uh, well, really, let me say this. There's three things that we are doing, really three things only. Uh, one, we are going to do evangelism ourselves. I, Daniel Nally, will always be until, I, until the Lord takes me home, will be boots on the ground taking this gospel message outside the walls of the church, inside the walls of the church, but also outside the walls of the church. I always want to be outside where the people are, leading the way, leading the charge, say, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, number two is we want to do what we did yesterday. The second thing we want to do is we want to equip the church to be able to go outside the walls of the church and reach people in their everyday life. So you might not do a bunch of crusades, and, and here's the truth. I do not believe that the, the revival that is needed in America will be one man leading millions to Christ. But it will be millions leading one man to Christ. And let's just, let's, let's, let's say it here for Orchardville like this. I don't believe that it'll be one man uh, leading 600, 500, 800 people to Christ, but it will be, you know, 400, 500, 600, 800, 1,000 people, 2,000 people of what is known to be Orchardville leading 500, 700, 800, 1,000, 2,000 people to Christ. And so the, the, the day for the one-man show is, has to be over because the revival that is needed, that is crucial, is for the kingdom of believers to take their rightful place, to manifest in these last days and answer the individual calling that God has in our life. Um, so that being said, we also are going to make new believer resources. So we want to evangelize, we want to equip the church to evangelize, and we want to make new believer resources. We refuse to lead people to Christ and then abandon them. So we're going to be doing resources through books, through videos, through trainings, through, I mean, every imaginable 
uh, course that, we, that God has given us. We want to help new believers journey with Jesus. So one of the ways that, um, that we're, we're working with churches, when we come in and do evangelism training with churches, we're, we're offering them, hey, if you want to come on a mission trip with us and go and get hands-on experience, uh, you can do that. And so I have behind me um, a mission trip that we're going to be doing. Now, this mission trip is not going to be a work mission trip. And we'll have others that will be work mission trips and that will be doing other things. But this one specifically is February, 24, or, uh, February 24th through March 1st. And it's going to be street evangelism. It's going to be down in Louisiana at New Orleans. And this is going to be why Mardi Gras is going on. We are partnering with Bridges Christian College. You have to be 18 years or older. And if you're interested in this, come talk to my wife and I at the booth, and we would love to get you the info. But this is going to be street evangelism. This will get people out of their comfort zone. Um, and uh, not everyone is just going to be able to go. So if you're interested, um, you'll, what you'll do is you'll let us know. You'll, you'll submit your interest. You'll submit an application, and we'll pray about it because this is, a, this is something we want to make sure the right people are on this trip. But if you're interested in that, come see us. Uh, next is just simply... If you would like to join our sending team, if you'd like to be a part of, of partnering with Sean and I to go out and to, and to continue doing what we're doing, we're somewhere around, around the ballpark number of 46% of the way funded as U.S. missionaries. If you or your family, your small group, um, you as an individual, if you would like to partner with us, come see Shauna. You can fill out one of these, one of these cards out. Whoa, that just flew away like the Holy Spirit dove flew off Jesus' shoulder. You can fill out one of these um, in the back. And then also, if you're interested in getting our newsletter, if you're interested in any of our resources or hosting a training somewhere else, or if you know someone who would like to host a training, also fill these cards out for that. So today, we're going to get into the message. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and we're going to work through this pretty quickly. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for Orchardville Church. From the bottom of my heart, God, I thank you that you have started this amazing work out here. This amazing work out here in the middle of the cornfields and the bean fields. And God, how you're drawing people here. It's not because of the screens. It's not because of the preaching. It's not because of the awesome music. It's, it, God, but it's because your presence is here. It's because there's people who are, who are on mission. It's because the presence of God is drawing people to come. And I just bless the work that you're doing here, and I'm so thankful, God, and I just come into alignment, and I agree with heaven when I say and when I ask, God, for you to complete the work that you have started here. Complete it. Bring it to full fruition. May many, 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 many souls be saved and discipled, and may the whole region of what we know to be Southern Illinois and beyond and into the whole earth be transformed and changed by the obedience and by the coming into completion of the work that you are doing here at Orchardville Church. Today, I pray, let our ears hear what the spirit of the living God has to say. And may we be challenged by your word to just do exactly what you've called each of us to do. Amen. 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 So friends, I want to start off and just talk about the state of the church. This, now, the state of the church here on this next slide, this is, this is all pre COVID. So these statistics are, are from before, before we went into to COVID. 85% of the church in America is either plateaued or declining. 15% of the churches are growing, but out of that 15% of churches growing, only 14% of the churches are growing 
from transferred growth. From people leaving one church and coming to another church. For little country churches closing down and people go into a church that has, has a more of a community focus or a youth program or children's programs or small groups. Or truly even, there's, there's, there's some research done where people uh, are wanting to be able to slip in and slip out and have less commitment that, than what is required in smaller churches. But out of the, 14, the 15% of churches that are growing, 14% of churches are growing from transferred growth. And in America, before COVID, only 1% of churches are growing from conversions. That means that all, of, all across America, from California to New York, from Seattle to Florida, every denomination, churches are only growing by 1% from reaching new believers. That's not Sister Susie getting mad and getting up and coming over here. And that's not, that's not any, of, any other uh, reason for growth other than transferred growth. 1% of the church is growing because they are raising up people that are reaching people who are not Christians in their community. And it might be Muslims, it might be people who, who are atheists or who are bound in intellectualism or people who are Hindu or people who are, are wrapped up in, in, in maybe some deep uh, legalistic understanding and don't know the real Jesus. People who have never truly been converted. And so my goal, my, uh, my whole reasoning for even bringing this to our attention is to say, we have to get back to being soul winning churches. We have to, we have to, and we have to stop depending upon one man or one woman or God to raising up our superstar Christian to go out and do the work. In 2010, America sent out 127,000 missionaries into the world. In 2010. And then now when we start to look at this, we say, wow, we've sent out so many missionaries into all of the world, but yet look down here at the, at the bottom statistic, 47% of Christian millennials say that it's wrong to share the gospel. 47%, that's almost 50% of our, our Christian people in our Protestant and evangelical churches from 40 years old to roughly 26 years old are our Christians and, and our Christians who are going into leadership and pastoral ministry. Even some of our Christians who are going into missions. When they were asked, do you feel well equipped to share your faith? 85%, the highest number throughout all of the ever, the Barna ever doing their research, 85% said, I feel equipped to share my faith. But when they were asked, is sharing your faith morally wrong? There was this almost 50% of millennial Christians said that they thought it was wrong to share their faith in hopes that someone would be converted. They thought that it was intrusive to go to their friend who didn't believe in Jesus and share Jesus in such a way where they were given uh, an opportunity to change their life and put their faith in Christ. They thought that that was intrusive. They thought that it, was, that it wasn't very tolerant to, to minister to the, a Muslim person in such a way where you're, you're, you're taking Jesus to them as the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. Like, well, Jesus has worked for me and he's doing, he, he, he's helping me in my life, but I really don't want to take this gospel. I don't want this gospel to ruffle any feathers. I don't want this gospel to be offensive to anyone. Friends, the very, the very uh, um, uh, 
reason that we have grace, the very fact that we receive grace is an indictment against us. It's an offense to our flesh that we've fallen short. And my prayer is simply that we can raise up Christians who will say, I am unashamed of the gospel. I will answer the calling that God has on me and I will preach this gospel and I will take this message to my neighbors, to my friends, to the people around me. Let's look at the harvest passage in Matthew 9. It says, Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Friends, this is my prayer. When Jesus looked at the crowd, he was moved to compassion. And I want to just sound an, an, an alarm here. The Bible says in the last days, lawlessness will abound. How many of you guys know that? How many of you guys, when you look around, it's pretty easy to see lawlessness abounding, growing, taking over. The Bible says that, that, that people will call wrong things right and right things But the Bible says in the last days, as lawlessness increases, the hearts of many people will grow cold. Friends, this is my prayer for you in your everyday life. As you are engaging your neighbors, as you are engaging your coworkers, as you're engaging your family, as many of you who are in the, in the upper half of the older generation and you're looking to a younger generation, you can't figure them out, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and, you, and it's so easy just to gripe and complain and to, and to pick out what you would change. In all of this, may you never lose your compassion when sin and lawlessness abound. The Bible says it's going to be easy for our hearts to grow cold. But has you and your house, may you serve the Lord and may you stay close to him and may you have the Lord's compassion and may you never become self-righteous and may you never have this attitude, well, well it's all going to happen anyway. It's all going to go down the drain anyway. We're just going to sit on the pews and wait till Jesus comes back. Friends, may your heart be softened. May you be moved to compassion. And just like Jesus looked out at the crowd and he seen all of the crowd, they were all broken. So many of them come from broken lives and broken marriages and, 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 and shattered dreams and mistakes and sins and addictions and misconceptions and faulty ways of thinking. So many of them have bondages and strongholds. And, and he says to his disciples, he turns around and looks at them and he says, hey, you. You 12 boys, you see this crowd here? This, you aren't even enough to handle this crowd. And that this crowd is represented a million times over all around this globe. And we have to pray that God would send out more laborers to go out in this harvest field and to bring in the harvest. Because why? He says, because the people are harassed and they are helpless. They are like a sheep without a shepherd. And when Jesus sees that, he doesn't fold his arms and just pronounce them liberal or lost or this or that. His heart breaks. He is moved to compassion 
And he turns and sounds an alarm to his followers, to his disciples. And he says, you have to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up more laborers to go out and to bring in this harvest. Because friends, let me tell you this. How many farmers do we have here? How many farmers in here do we have? Any farmers at all? Wow, we're out here in Orchard. Okay, I see a couple. Okay, I see a couple. I'll say, man, I in Orchardville. No farmers? Okay, how many of you know a farmer? Okay, okay, here we go. Anyone who's a farmer or who knows anything about farming knows this, that whatever is out left, whatever is not harvested before the harvest season is over, what happens to it? It's wasted, it perishes. And friends, we have, we have a limited time. We have a season of harvest that is among us that we're in right now. And in everything that is not harvested, every lost soul, every neighbor, every coworker, every person in your life who doesn't come into Christ, before the season is up, they will perish. Why will they perish? Why? Because God hasn't made a way? No. God has made a way. He has sent his one and only son to die on the cross and to shed his blood for their sins. Why? Jesus says, Jesus says they're hopeless and they're helpless without his message. Let's look at this next scripture here. This confused gospel says, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. And we know that, 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 is a, that there, there's, there's some truth in that. And because you don't want to live hip, hypocritically and we don't want to, 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 to not have substance. We don't want there just to be power in our words. But we want there to be a life that backs it up. But friends, the gospel has to be preached. The scripture declares, how then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And then this other confused gospel that kind of has become mangled and entangled and infused throughout our American church culture and the emergent church says, God wants everyone to be saved, and God is big enough to get what God wants, and after all, love will win in the end. Friends, that's universalism. And the scripture, the scripture takes those, that confused gospel, and it says, let me sober you up. Come and be sober-minded. And the, the scripture declares in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance it's not God's will that anyone should perish but the reality is that they cannot call upon the name of Jesus they cannot believe in the name of Jesus unless someone preaches to them and friends may I, may I dare just commission you that you are the light of the world you are the salt of the earth. You are the hope and the glory of God here for people to see. Your testimony, your story is his glory. I want to read a closing scripture here. Um, 
This is Luke 19. This is the story about Zacchaeus. Let's set our hearts toward this right now for understanding. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Some translations say very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was sure he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all of the people began to mutter. You know, mutter. They couldn't comprehend what was happening. They said, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner? They couldn't comprehend it. Who is this rabbi? Who is this teacher going around and, and doing all this teaching? And, and doesn't he realize who he's talking to? Doesn't he realize how unclean this man's house is? Doesn't he realize this man is a traitor? Doesn't he realize how liberal this man is? How he, he pays no attention to the law of God? Doesn't he know how this man is stealing from God's people and giving it to the dirty Romans? Doesn't he know who he's talking to? This liar, this cheater, this manipulator. This man who has become wealthy at our expense and out of partnership with those who oppress God's people. Who is this? Who is this, this heretic? Who is this, this rabbi who comes and, and sits with sinners? Man. What an unholy man. They began to mutter and they began to cast judgment. But... In the middle of their muttering. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated out anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. And friends, Jesus said to him. Jesus said to who? To those Pharisees? To all the mutterers? To all those who cast judgment, to all of those who search the scriptures diligently trying to find life, but we're missing it. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost I almost picture it like this, friends. I almost picture it like Jesus is standing, and there's a, this is another crowd, like, kind of like the harvest uh, um, um, text. There's another crowd that has gathered around, and they're, and, they're, and they're fascinated by Jesus. And the crowd is muttering, and they're casting judgment. And I can almost picture Zacchaeus has come down, and it says that he stood up. So you almost picture him kind of falling at his feet or being on the ground. And I can picture Jesus knows that they're muttering. He knows their hearts. He knows what they're thinking. He knows their gossip and their slander. And he, I can almost picture Jesus bending down and picking him up and saying to him, in, saying to him almost loud enough so that they could hear. But saying directly to Zacchaeus, this man too is a son of Abraham. 
and picking him up and Zacchaeus getting up. And then I can almost picture Jesus who knows and keeps the secrets and mysteries of God hidden for only those who would seek him with a full heart. Remember, Jeremiah said, you will seek me and find me only when you seek me with all of your heart. Why? The things of God are precious and they're not just revealed to anyone. He will not throw his pearls before swine. And I almost picture Jesus leaning in and into Zacchaeus' ear. Not to the Sanhedrin, not to the Pharisees or the Sadducees, not to the prophets, not to the Roman officials, not but to the traitor. He whispers in his ear and he tells him the mission of the Messiah. He tells him the very reason. You know that everyone was talking about what the Messiah would do, what he would look like, and, and how he would liberate people, right? Jesus picks up Zacchaeus, whispers in his ear, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Friends, that was Jesus' mission, and that has to be our mission we have to get back to having this mission in our life where, we, serve, where we, we seek to save the lost. Friends, there, I guarantee you there are Zacchaeus in your life. There are people in your life who, who they, they might seem like they're, they're traitors. They're traitors of America. They're traitors of everything that, that you know to be good or wholesome. They're law, they embrace lawlessness. Sin is abounding around them. I guarantee you have some Zacchaeuses in your life. You have some people who, who, who are lost, who don't know Jesus. And Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use you to stoop down and to invade their life with the gospel. He wants to use you to go to their home and to invite them into your home. This is so beautiful. I don't have time this morning to look at this portion of it, but it's so beautiful that Jesus was going into his home. He was not just interacting with him on an altar or in a synagogue. He probably wasn't allowed in the synagogues. He probably wasn't allowed in the temple. But Jesus went. Jesus said, you might not be allowed here, but if you'll allow me, I'll come to you. I'll go to your home, Zacchaeus. Come down from that tree. Come down from all your striving. Come down and let your curiosity bring you to here and I'll come in. Orchardville, I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you over the next six months to invest in three different people. You say, Daniel, why three? And I told the group yesterday, I said, well, do a hundred then. Wow, Pastor Rick. <laughs> oh, man. There's nothing special about three. But I think that three is stretching. I think that there can be one person you invest in a lot, lot more, and another person, it might be periodically, and another person, um, it, might be, it might be different seasons of, of, of whatever. You might be investing in an acquaintance. You might be investing in someone who was a part of your own family. And then a third person might be a stranger that you meet in a month. But I want to challenge you 
to invest in three people. Jesus said to go into all of the world and, and, and to proclaim the gospel to every nation, all nations. And I simply want you to know, and I, and I want you to have this in your mind, that all nations, the, the most I can dumb it down in just a sentence is simply people who are different than you. People like Zacchaeus, who are different. Might probably aren't right about everything. But God is calling you to engage in them, to invest in them. Jesus was willing to invest in him. Jesus wasn't worried about his reputation or about what the crowd thought. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. Today, I want to pray about, I want us to pray about three people that God would have us. Maybe you'll call them today. Maybe you'll text them today. Maybe you'll invite them to your small group. Or maybe, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll take them out to dinner. Maybe they, this person that you're thinking of now, maybe they don't even really want anything to do with you or your Jesus. Oh, man, what an opportunity to love them. What an opportunity to show them that even like Daniel Nally, when, they didn't, when he didn't want anything to do with God, God looked down from heaven and said, I want that man, I want that woman. What an opportunity you have when they say, I don't want anything to do with you or your Jesus. And you say, man, inside of your spirit says, greater love has no person than he would lay his life down for this friend. What a beautiful opportunity. I want to challenge you to help meet practical needs. Don't just let your preaching, don't just go and try to take them out to dinner over and over again just to, to, just to share some, the, the, a message with them, just to try to convert them, to share your opinion with them. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Help them meet practical needs. And even as I say that, make sure that as you help meet practical needs in their life, that you preach the gospel message to them and that you give them an opportunity at some point to receive Jesus Christ. Next, I want to just speak this over the church as a whole. As each individual goes and makes disciples and sees salvations, Orchardville Church, you're going to have to make room. You're going to have to give grace. You're going to have to disciple. And as each person here goes and wins souls, you're going to have to get out of the way. And allow God, the Holy Spirit, to be the one to raise them up and to do inside of them what only he can do. And in here, within your structure, within the organization, within the systems, within the church, when God brings in people who are different than you, make room for them. I didn't say tolerate sin. I didn't say don't correct, don't rebuke. But certainly don't mutter. Do you, I, I can't unpack that. You get that? Certainly don't mutter. Finally, we're going to pray this prayer. If we can have the praise team go ahead and come up. I want you, as they're coming, I want you right now to begin to pray and begin to ask God, God, who is three people in my life? God might be giving you someone right now. I mean, whenever you hear me talking, there might be someone that keeps coming to your mind. Okay? And maybe there, there, there's another person that you're like, oh, wait a minute. No, I don't know if I should do that. 
And if anyone here, if you keep thinking of someone and then you keep backing away from it and trying to think, oh, maybe I'll do something easier. No, 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 no. Let me just, let me, let me just remind you that the Holy Spirit is bringing that person to your memory for a reason. Not me. I didn't put them there. I can't manipulate this. But if he's bringing someone to your mind, I don't care how hard of a case that you, they are or anyone else thinks they are. That hard case could very well be your assignment. That annoying person could very well be your mission field. I would wager to say they are. Friends, I want us to respond. If these altars are going to be open to pray for everything, anything that you would want to pray of, the, the, the Lord's altars are always open to pray. But in light with, with what the Lord is speaking, in light of the passages, in light of more than just the theme, but, the, but those who can have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, right now, this morning, let's respond in our own way. And let's ask, let's, let's come to a place of an altar and we'll have some altar workers up here, some ministry workers, but let's come together. Let's pray for one another and let's pray and let's ask God to save our lost loved ones. Let's ask God to raise up laborers to go out into the harvest field. Let's be willing to offer every single thing that he has already given us to steward well to bring this harvest in. All of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure and all of our knowledge that he has blessed us with and let's use all of that and let's say God everything that you have given me how can I steward this well to go after these people over the next six months and whenever you come up here to pray allow God to use anything and everything he's already given you as resources and tools to go after them and anything you think you need to fulfill this, just know, step out in obedience and he will provide everything you need all along the way. So as the worship team begins to, to play, I'm going, I'm going to pray the scripture behind us, but I want you guys to come up and, and just respond. And anyone, Pastor Rick, who's a part of the, uh, the, the prayer team, you guys can go ahead and come on up and get ready for people to respond because I'm believing that in Orchardville, there's a hunger. I believe at Orchardville, there's no more playing games. I believe in Orchardville, God has guarded the hearts of people and your hearts are filled with compassion. And I believe in Orchardville out here that you are going to take everything that we've looked at, these scriptures, these demands, and your life will be a life that stays with what is written. That you won't be like so many others who are fleeing and, and getting outside of the lines of this gospel commission, but your heart will be, will be softened toward the things of God and it will show by how the souls in your life are engaged. So Father God, I pray in alignment with your word, just as Paul prayed, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. God, I pray 
over every person who is here. God, every person who would dare to respond, give them the words to speak to the lost. God, when they're worried about, well, what if they talk about this or that, or what are if I offend them? God, let them not lean on their own ability. Let them not be worried. Let them embrace the awkwardness. Let them embrace the fear. Let them embrace the rejection or the persecution. Because on the other side of that awkwardness or that silliness, on the other side of that being labeled or being judged, is the glory of God, is the salvation of these people, of the person that you're showing them now. And God, we pray collectively and individually, forgive us for where we've, we've, we've just got wrapped up in the American dream and got comfortable on our pews and, and hearing good messages and, and, and just trying to be decently moral people. Give us compassion, God. Renew our compassion this morning for this region of Southern Illinois and beyond, for the people in our everyday life and empower us for it. Remove our faulty ways of thinking, every faulty way of thinking that would challenge, that would come against, every lie that would say, I can't do this or this is too hard or I'm too old or I'm too weak or I don't know enough or I'm too young or I'm too busy. We say, Jesus, remove those faulty ways of thinking remove them out of us they have no place in your church and Jesus I pray this morning commission us don't let it don't let it even seem like Daniel Nally is up here trying to commission anyone but may we take it at face value for what your word has spoken may I not even interpret your word may it simply stand as is and may it be what commissions us what stirs us to action. And may many souls be saved. May many lives be engaged. May families be transformed. May marriages be restored. May atheists come to Christ. May gays and transgenders come to Christ. May prodigals come home. May those who are, who are, who are running from God and mad at God, may they come back. And may we be gentle and may we restore them with kindness and ease. Pray all of this in Jesus' name.